What's up, Showdown fans? It is the Showdown Rundown. I am Frank Janish, and this week I'm joined by Showdown head writer, question writer, head question writer, PJ Campbell. How you doing, PJ? I'm good, man. It's good to be here. I'm not nearly as handsome as Brad, but I'm ready to talk a little bit of the first week of the Showdown with you. How the hell are you? I'm good. I'm good, but someone is not good, and that is our dearly beloved... Uh, Brad Gilmore. He's feeling a bit under the weather. However, when we get later on into the episode of the show, we will hear from him briefly. He has a prediction for the versus match between Jeff Snyder and Dan Merle. So he did leave us a little something, but he is under the weather. We wish him a speedy recovery and uh, can't wait to have him back next week. But in the meantime, we got some stuff to talk about here, PJ. Uh, first week, of, or, or it's more like week two, but it's actually like week three in the season because we had th- the throwdown a couple weeks ago. We were yep. kind of off for a week, and then now we now now we're in the flow of things. Everything's kicking into gear. We had Intergeekdom match, Star Wars match today when we were watching this or recording this, and then tomorrow, which is Friday, we're gonna have another singles match. Uh, at 2 p.m. Pacific, but then on Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, we're having our very first iteration of Schmodown Versus between Jeff Snyder and Dan Merle. We're going to be talking about all of that stuff tonight, but before we get into any of that, when we had the Intergeekdom and Star Wars matches, we had some some scenes, some cutscenes, and we were told the storylines were coming back this season, and we're get, we've, we've gotten two scenes already in these two matches. PJ, we got to talk about them because Andrew and Chandrew. I don't know, that just some, somehow rhymes, but Andrew and Chandrew were the, were the main focus of a couple of scenes uh, this week. But I want to talk about Andrew Guy because last we saw him was the Shmomenati. He got abducted, it looked like, thrown into a van of some sort, and, and then we haven't heard from him, seen from him. He wasn't at the draft, wasn't at free agency. We don't know where this guy has been. But now we see him in in a bed, in a suit, and it kind of looks like this old Andrew guy from Team Action days. PJ, what do you think is going on here, and what's going on with this, this, this scene that we saw uh, earlier this week? I don't know, man. It was real interesting because – when it started just seeing guy like it kind of looks like he's been awakened by something almost like he he looked like was he drugged it looked like he <laughs> wasn't ready to wake up and it was kind of out of nowhere and the last time we did see him it, he was being kidnapped so where has he been and then he starts to get into his old ways he's watching his old matches he's looking at himself in the mirror just like really feeling himself and it ends with the line i need to talk to bateman yes that that was interesting but to get to that point, yeah, you know, I want to go back to the very the very first shot of Let's this is he's sleeping in bed in his suit, um, which is very funny. But when he does awake, uh, when he comes alive, if you will, it, it looked very robotic to me. He kind of just like you know, just yeah, just just sat up and kind of just start changed his glasses from sleeping glasses to day glasses. It was. Nice Which I didn't there. know was a thing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. there was gay glasses and sleeping glasses. Yeah, I'll well, throw it on the Skybound uh, merch uh, page and uh, Schmidt on merch, I'm sure. Um, sleeping glasses and, and, and day glasses. But I, I so I found it that interesting that it's kind of it's as almost as if he was activated in a way. Because what has happened to Andrew Guy since we last saw him? He got abducted, but now he's in an apartment in a bed and dressed very nicely. And So what happened between point a and this point b 
anything could have happened. Did he escape? Was he released? You know, um, what's his motive now? And I'm not quite sure, but it was very interesting to see that he was watching, or at least was on the TV, the team action versus um, uh, Nerds Watch, that match. And so, you know, is is he trying to recapture the old team action glory days by, you know, at the end they're saying he's got to talk to Bateman. I don't know, but it's weird to me that he goes from this crazed kind of lunatic looking for the Shmominati to going back to his team action um, more or less. I don't want to say it's his persona, team action persona, because we don't know for sure yet, but he's certainly dressed apart. You know, what do you think we're going to – I mean, are we going to get more Shmominati? I, th- I would think so, more Shmominati in the coming oh, yeah. weeks. I mean, look, we have to see more of the Shmominati, but it's also what did the Shmominati do to him? Because to your point, like, it's almost like he's regressed in a way that we were not anticipating. You know, I thought the first time we'd see him, he was still going to be captured in someplace else. Or maybe yeah. he still is and we don't know. But it was interesting that he had gone backwards. And to your point, like, watching such an early match from there – glory days if you will like is he living in borrowed time is it different like there's i have questions yeah like what if this is actually just like what, what if he is still c- captured by shmominati and this is just a dream inside him what if he's like reliving a day yeah. from you know from his team action days he's reliving that in his dream and this is what he did on that this particular day he's just reliving it because the shmominati is all in his mind i don't know it, it's really fun though that we're gonna get i think some bits and pieces as the weeks go on about the Shmominati, or at least Andrew Guy. Maybe not necessarily Shmominati, but at least Andrew Guy, because I presumably the next thing we're going to see is Andrew Guy talking to Ben Bateman, unless something you know becomes comes between that. I'm I'm expecting to see something between Bateman and Andrew Guy, and what is that going to look like? Yeah. I really don't know, but I'm very very curious and anxious to see it. Well, and to your point, the thing that could stop that from happening again is the Shmominati, right? Because the last time we saw him too was he was trying to talk to Christian and he couldn't get to Christian. So now he's like, well, I can go to Bateman because Ben, like no matter what, there's still got to be some level of trust between the two, right? They were teamed up forever. He may have put him through a table, but he still trusts the man. So now it's what comes next from that? Because what does he have to tell Ben that is so important, especially now? Yeah. So here's a, here's a comment from Joshua Alonzo. What if his mind was wiped and he and he thinks he's back in the time of team action. That could be certainly. Yeah. And then uh, Thanatos here says, "Is Bateman part of the Shmominati? I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. That's, that's. I mean, like, if he's what if somehow Ben Bateman is Andrew Guy's point of contact, and it was made that way through the Shmominati because Ben's in the Shmominati. I don't because I mean, is it possible? Possibly because of. Look at everything you heard about Ben Bateman in the offseason, all the shenanigans he was pulling. Mm-hmm. Not exactly, you know, um, on the up and up in some instances. So is it part of the Shmominati? However, now that I'm kind of talking about it out loud, that's not Shmominati's, I think, I think at least how they would operate. I think they want to be more in the shadows, not so overt with their actions the way Bateman was more or less behind the scenes of free agency period. So maybe he's not. I don't know, but... I certainly think Shmominati is orchestrating whatever guy is, is doing. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's very clear that they're kind of behind whatever it is now. And what, like, in the time that we haven't seen him, what if they got in his head? What if it's a Scientology-esque <laughs> style brainwash where they've decided to turn him into the Shmominati? Like, what, you know, and now they're trying to infiltrate even further using Guy. Yeah. 
Um, all very interesting, um, and, and I can't wait to see where this leads because you know that was at the start of the Jesse Swift Amaru Moses match, and then today we got the Marie Wilson and Sean Sullivan match. Maybe we might get a scene again of Andrew Guy progressing, you know, maybe to go see Bateman, but that's not what we got. Instead, we got Chandru talking to Laura Kelly, and there and, and Chandru was like. Laura, Laura Kelly, I'm a big fan of yours. I, I like what you did with Winston during your match. That's what inspired me to kind of, you know, do what I did in that match with Winston. And Chandru started planning this idea that perhaps corruption doesn't exactly want Laura back because Shannon made this trade to get Marisol, but he, she didn't do it for you, you know, you know, for Laura. So. And, and you can kind of tell that Laura was like wrestling with that a little bit in terms of I don't I, I know what you're saying and I don't want to deal with it in that way. She because Laura says she did what she had to do, yep. but that can only you know you can only uh, believe that for so long, especially if someone like Chandru is going to try and twist that knife a little bit, which is interesting um, because at the end of this, Chandru's mode of operation here is to try and oust Winston now. Mm-hmm. And he wants to create a bit of an insurrection within swag, um, very timely, if you ask me. But it's going to be interesting to see what members he might corral into this. And at the end of that scene, he says he knows where to start. Now, for me, I go, well, it's, it's got to be Ace because Ace was slighted, you know, for the first couple of rounds. There wasn't picked up while, meanwhile, Thomas Harper was, uh, Molly Damon, you know, um, uh, Laura Kelly ahead of Ace on his own on his own squad. So, uh, you know, from from what I had heard in rumblings around the league, is Ace wasn't too thrilled that he dropped that far being the tournament winner uh, from from the from the season prior. So, is that someone Chandru goes after and tries to again twist the knife uh, and and pull Ace over? It's I don't know. It's very very interesting. But also before I throw it to you, PJ, uh, Chandru also did mention that he got Winston to draft Laura Kelly. So yeah. to go after it. So that was an interesting bit. Um, I don't know. What did you think of this whole thing that Chandra's doing, PJ? So it's very interesting because he's definitely trying to kind of burn swag to the ground, which is curious. Like we come back from the break, you know, he has his title match. And even through the match, he was already kind of like pushing Winston aside. He wasn't listening to him. He was just being really disrespectful and strange and different. And, now we see him doing this and what my first thought was maybe he goes to zipper because there is still a history between zipper and winston also right yeah it'd be easy to corrupt him back and be like you know look at all what happened with you guys in the past are you sure you can trust him but it was very curious to me that he really pushed to be like i also tried to get i tried to get you laura like i was the one who did that because to your point ace fell so far why was he pushing for Laura? What What is it about Laura that is interesting to Chandru that he was like, we need you instead? Mm. Yeah, and it's and I do like this um, this kind of, I don't know, role that Laura's playing here because she's kind of like, all right, so what's the plan here? Okay, so that's what you want to do? All right. It's the, it, it really has no bearing on Laura whatsoever. She doesn't care about Winston that way. She wants to get back to corruption. So, like... That's where she's at. She's like, all right, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. I'm just trying to get back to corruption. Now, will that happen? I don't know. But I was thinking about this earlier, and if I was Laura Kelly, and now I have this information that, 
your top player in your faction, Swag, Chandru, um, is trying to oust you from your own faction, what if Laura Kelly goes to Winston with this information and says, or says something along the lines of, someone's plotting to, to oust you from your faction. If you want to know this information, maybe you should trade me to corruption and I'll let you know what's going on. And so maybe she can kind of bend this to make it her, you know, to, to her will and maybe she can get back to corruption. I don't know. But it's interesting that Chandra does pull in Laura Kelly because she has no allegiance to, towards Winston whatsoever. And it could go it's a 50-50 shot whether or not she'll be on board or just doesn't care. And right now it seems like she's like, do whatever you want to do, Chandru. Uh, you know, sure, let me know what's going on, and, and and that's cool. Like, maybe she's thinking down the road, if this goes well, maybe it can get me back to corruption. I don't know. But I highly doubt she cares what's going to happen to Winston. As of this moment, things can change. You never know. But if Chandru then goes, tries to go to Ace or to Eric Zipper, who, you know, was a part of the dungeon, you know, I mean, there's also Vinny on that squad now, who's also with the dungeon with Zipper last season. So I I don't know. And also when you look at, um, you know, his comments, uh, Chandru's comments in terms of, you know, Winston brought in a lot of new people this, this season. Does that sit like, is he going to go after those newer people to try and oust Winston? Because it doesn't seem like, Lon Harris, Paul Yama, um, those guys, I feel like they'll still be on the side of Winston and not be turned. So I, there could very well be a, somewhat of a civil war within Swag, which is just really we're considering what kind of reputation they built up last season. Well, and I mean, it it's playing straight into this entirety of the war, right? Because yeah. that's what we are this season. And so even internal conflict within this is so fascinating to me and to your point earlier like you're right is he going after a lot of the new people because he knows that the stalwarts if you will like these kind of pinnacle players when you look at the paul yamas and the lawn harris's harris is probably on someone's couch right now anyway and really doesn't care about turning on winston he's just happy to have a place to live but like why would paul turn on winston winston's done nothing but good by him and so i think chandrew's kind of feeling like he's just been left out to dry he said as much he was like you focused on all these new players and turned your back on me and so i think he thinks that he can flip the people who don't necessarily have loyalty yet yeah i mean that'll be interesting to see if that's the route that he goes but the other you know thing is like really why is chandrew why does he want to just because he lost his belt because winston wasn't there enough for chandrew in the lead up to his match against mark Hanopic? is that really it um or is it something else that we just don't know about yet um you know winston in his post-match interview uh in that match talked about you know he's got a new job and sorry i couldn't be there but you know i'm still there with you like in spirit i sent these questions to you or through paul and you know so i'm still there i'm still thinking of you um i don't know it's going to be interesting to see how it how it develops and and who else gets pulled into the fold and whether or not they'll go along with it yeah and and whether and 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 how soon does this get back to winston that's the other thing i want to know yeah, and I mean, if it gets back to Winston, I, we have to assume when, not if, but if or when it gets back to Winston, how is he going to respond to it? Because, you know, outside of that, you can't think that Winston's going to take kindly to someone potentially trying to insurrect him, right? And, like, right. upsurp his spot. 
like what and what does Chandu want to do once he gets the power over Winston if he does like does he want to be the manager of swag does he want to try to take over does he want to create his own faction like what exactly is the end game for Chandu in this yeah I think someone would have to come in and replace Winston and if Chandu has his way probably uh, through his um, recommendation because there are no player managers this season so he would either have to relinquish uh, as a be relinquished as a player and become the manager, which seems silly to me because yep. he wants the belt back. So I would like to think that perhaps maybe he has someone in mind uh, to fill that spot that, that aligns more with him. And and this is interesting, too, because I've been saying for a while, and going back to last season, the way Chandra was acting um, and how he, how he you know comports himself really never lined up with with Winston at all and still doesn't. And so now I think we're seeing, but they made it work. They made it work, obviously, you know, winning the belt, the inner geekdom belt. So I'm curious, you know, where this will all lead. Who's, who else is behind the scenes? Is someone else pulling Chanju's strings? Is it, I mean, could it be Shwamanati as well? That's infiltrating here through this and just creating all sorts of, um, you know, chaos. I, I don't know. Um, so there's, we got some threads going and I wonder if they will all connect with Shmobinati, who knows it's still very early on, but it's still fun to think about. I mean, it, it definitely feels like it could be laid by them. Right. I mean, again, they've already infiltrated one thing. Why not infiltrate the smaller sides of the game too? And what a way to do it than imploding one faction that just lost a belt and creating tension between people and with the things we've seen. But yeah, it's fun to think about because there's so many threads now and, Man, I miss the storyline stuff. So to see it playing out again, to see these characters coming back to life has been so fun. Like one of my favorite parts of Spectacular was starting to see those cutscenes come back. And now to see it back full force. Oh, man, I'm so happy. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun to have these have these back and it gives us something, uh, gives us more to talk about as if we didn't have enough. And I think, you know, with that said, uh, we can go ahead and get into the matches that uh, started off the week. And that was the. Amaru Moses, Jesse Swift match. Amaru Moses won 19 of 16 in their debut matches. Uh, you see there on the screen, Amaru Moses had an accuracy of 74% to Jesse Swift's 60%. So, PJ, this is interesting because now this is the second match in Inner Geekdom Division this year with the new categories in, infused. What's Before we really get into the match, I just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit in terms of how do you decide or how is it shaped in terms of intergeekdom categories of old mixing with intergeekdom categories of new when you're putting together a match? What is there a conscious decision in terms of we want to make sure we have this percentage of new compared with the uh, you know old? How, how does that all work out? So the way I've been going into it um, ever since we started was kind of looking at it as we made sweeping changes. And one thing that IG never really had was any massively sweeping changes. And so one of the things that I was very excited about in doing this was giving a little bit of old and giving a little bit of new and just mixing it together and trying to find a cool balance where it feels like even with some of the new categories, you're getting questions that felt like they had a place in the original version of IG, but then also mixing it with a lot of this new flavor and all these new movies that we had finally set out to put in that really we've been wanting to put into IG for a while because the IG expansion talk had started last season 
before the season started and before we were basically run off from COVID. Um, when COVID happened, we had already been talking about it before the Atlanta show, and then COVID kind of shut everything down. We didn't really talk about the expansion until this season. And I've just been having fun building and doing stuff that's been a little different. And I want it to feel new and exciting, but familiar. And so I'm hoping that the balance is good when people are watching where it's like, oh, I recognize a lot of this and some of this new stuff fits too. And that's really fun. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really enjoying the, the, the new categories, the the newer types of movies being asked in, in, in Intergeekdom. Uh, let me just throw this up here real quick. Sean Sullivan with a super chat. Did Brad get a haircut? Now, I don't know who he's talking about in terms of myself or you, PJ. He didn't specify. No, he didn't. But Typical I, Sean. I, you know, I guess this is another answer Sean just doesn't know. So anyways, <laughs> we'll get to Perfect. that. I'm sorry. We'll I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I mean, it was right there. Um, but this was an interesting match because you look at this first round between Amaru Moses and uh, Jesse Swift, 9-7. to seven, Very solid uh, first round from both of these players. You know, Amaru just missing out on a perfect first round in his debut match. Jesse Swift, you know, hit 7 out of 10. All right. I like it. And then we get into um, round two. And Jesse goes first. He spins away from Star Trek, which is uh, an older, if you will, old school IG, if you will, which sounds weird to say that, but old school IG. And then he lands on comic book, which is even more old school IG. And so and, – and he ends up going three of the five for um, – uh, five points there, so f- getting five out of a possible ten. Bit of a you know, it's a rookie performance. Uh, I'll say sure. that. Um, and and look, it's also a broader category than Star Trek or anything else he could have gotten. Yeah. So he had to really, you know, he couldn't hone in on a specific subject there, and it was all over the place there. Yeah, and I mean, look, he came to play. We got to give him credit where credit's due, and like no matter what, even as a rookie, like he got. He could have taken a much more straightforward category, but he decided to spin again, take his chances. He landed on something incredibly broad, and that becomes just about anything, and you never quite know what you're going to get out of it. So it's always a risk. Spinning away from anything is a risk no matter what. The digital wheel is still a monster, um, just like (laughs) the original wheel. So you never know what you're going to get, but... You know, I had to respect what he was going for. He he still played through, and the you know first time under the lights can be nerve wracking. Yeah, but he played. And then uh, you know going now, so then Amaru his turn. He spins away from scores and soundtracks, which you know I think a lot of players still would in that in that instance. And then he ends up with Batman, a a less broad category than scores and soundtracks or even comic book movies. And he gets Batman, which is. Uh, a new spin, if you will, on, I guess you could say, DC or DCEU, where it's more mm-hmm. isolated. Um, and so before we get into his round, though, PJ, talk to me about wanting to create more specific categories like Batman, like Superman. And, and what, what's the what's the thought process behind implementing those? The big thought process, at least for me and the team when we were talking about it, was – we're merging DC and DCU and Marvel and MCU. A big part of that is because with all the multiverse shenanigans that are coming up, it's going to be way too hard to start worrying about trying to figure out what's going to fit where. Like it was just going to become a nightmare. I felt like behind the scenes, I could see challenges being thrown like before we got to them. I could already just see like we have 
a Batman 89 question DCEU because Keaton's now in Flashpoint. So technically, you know, it's a DCEU movie retroactively, but it would count. And so my thought was if we can merge those, but then take some of the bigger things like Batman, Superman, X-Men and Spider-Man out and kind of give them their own place. Those categories are still broad, but now we have a chance to ask some of the stuff we wouldn't normally, while also focusing on these bigger franchises that still have a ton of movies. Because Batman's got so many, Superman's got so many, Spider-Man's got so many, X-Men's got so many, that we can play those through for a while and give the other movies a chance to breathe. And this is actually one of my, probably my most favorite addition for Intergeekdom, is these more specialized uh, slices like Batman, like Superman, what have mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, last week we had Rachel Cushing on. She said, you know, if this was back in my day, I would have loved to have an X-Men slice, and she would have killed it. So uh, I'm sure there are other players out there, other competitors out there that are eyeing specific characters or franchises. I mean, still, um, but specifically characters that they want to land on one day. And Amaru, he lands on Batman. He ends up going 3 of 5, earning 5 points just like uh, Jesse did. However, he does give up a one point steal to Jesse, so he's outscored by Jesse in this round, six to five. What was interesting about Amaru when I watched him in this in this round was he ends up going to multiple choice uh, on the last three questions, only hitting one of them. Uh, luckily, he wasn't burned on on one another um, miss. Jesse was only mm-hmm. pick up one question for one point out of the two opportunities he had, uh, but by checking the multiple choice. In the same way that 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 Jesse did as well in his in his second round, um, and not to mention you know Jesse using two repeats in the first round, which and yeah. he got him right, so you can't really begrudge him there. And I, I understand he, he he later on said that he wished he didn't use two, um, but it, it is what it is, and he got him right. But this should let people know that these rookies coming in, at least these two guys, they really know the game, they know what's yes. available, they know all the tools, and I think that's what actually made this match much more competitive, even though it's uh, kind of a, on the lower scoring side of things. It's two rookies, sure, but they know the match, or they know the game, know how to play a match, and I think that's credit to their their following the league for all these years, and a credit to their, their factions and their managers getting them prepared to play these matches, and uh, I think managers have probably learned a lot from last year coming into this year. These rookies have probably learned a lot since they joined the faction. So I'm looking forward to more uh, rookie play this season and see how they all navigate. Because up to this point, I think both players navigated the game very well, much in a veteran might would. And, um, you know, Amaru was lucky enough to come out with a lead here, 14 to 13, thanks in large part to being up, uh, you know, 9 to 7 on Jesse in that first round. Loses a point to Jesse here, but it's a one-point gap, so it's anybody's game. And you never know what uh, PJ and company are going to throw at you in that final round. And Jesse, um, you know, he, he he gets mixed bag for that first question, for his two-pointer. Um, I can't recall the question, PJ. Do you know? Do it, you it was the who plays the lawman, and I'm trying to remember the name, but it was an RIPD. Oh, we yes, were, yes. It yes. was the Jeff Bridges character. Yeah. And, Roy, um, I believe. Yeah, so typical second, you know, or a two-point question there. Um, and I know, um, yeah, you know what? I as I got into this final round, I just noticed in the chat, and in my mind, we we didn't we didn't we need to go over the Superman. Answer. No, no, totally. Yeah. Um, so the, the Christian says in the document it said Superman the motion picture. Uh, yeah. And, and Jesse said Superman the movie. Um, 
Now, it lists an IMDb. It just says Superman. Um, yeah. And truthfully, like, I think what happened more than anything, because when we're all working in there, there's a lot going on at any time. And for whatever reason, I think there was a cross between Star Trek, the motion picture and Superman, the movie, yeah. when it was written. And so it said one thing and I hadn't really thought about it. And I had looked at it and I was like, oh, that seems right. I didn't think about it because, again, you're looking at all that stuff and it should have been Superman the movie and they could have. Yeah, if they had challenged it, they absolutely would have won and rightfully so. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that that was correct. And it, it was also one of those things we're still getting used to the new thing and no one got the challenge in and it just the game kept going. Yeah, but it was one of those things where even I was like, I dropped the ball and that's on me. And it happens. And I try to be very vigilant on stuff like that. And that was just one of those times that this, the wire was crossed and I didn't think about it again. And the game kept going. Yeah. And like, and, and that's like, everyone's human. These things can happen, but that's why there are challenges in yeah. place to help um, rectify a miss uh, or, you know, or an error. And it's not, it's not to, point out and say, hi, I, I know more than you. It's just like, hey, no. this, I think this was kind of a, a follow-up, and we. I hope to see less challenges this year, especially on the level of, like, pettiness, because that's what it was really coming down to a lot of the time last year. But this, you know, would have been the perfect case for a challenge to be used, and look, and, and the opportunity passed and whatnot. Um, I'm just surprised that, that no one else <laughs> was like, hey, isn't, does that sound... Right, I mean, and it's easy for us to say that the day you know watching it from the comfort of our own our own home, right? Um, so I can't, you know, quite uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't quite uh, describe what it might be like in the moment when you're in the heat of the match and you're and you're in the flow of things, especially because it was a round one, right? That was a round one. Um, no round two. No, no round two, round two, right? Yeah, it was in the it was in the comic book movies. Right, right, right. Jesse's, um, yeah, yeah. So it, it's. I know it was interesting, and then you know Dan Merle's all my movies episodes on Superman. So it was. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> um, I'll say I had quite a few people who sent me pictures of the two things together, yeah. and I was like, "It's okay." Like, look, I've been doing this now. I've been writing behind the scenes for two years. I've been a head writer for this is my second year in a row, but I've been yeah. doing questions before that. It happens, and we've. I think we've worked really hard to like fine tune stuff, but. It you know I don't have an editor yet, and I've been working on trying to get one. And once I have someone, it'll be even better because people don't realize when you stare at that doc and you're working on so many matches, yeah. like words start to move around. Like you just, it's a lot, and I love doing it. And so this is not me complaining, and I don't want people to ever think this is me complaining about it. I love doing it, but we're human, and there is errors, and I try to avoid them, but it happens. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, with that all out of the way, let's let's yeah. finish up, wrap up this match because uh, Jesse he misses his two but hits his three, and then Amaru Moses he hits his two and his three to force uh, Jesse to have to hit a five again. Dystopian future time travel. What a mouthful. PJ yeah. couldn't shorten that at all. All right. I'm well, sorry. <laughs> Not really. Um, you know, and, and it's tough to as a rookie have to answer your five to stay in the game. It's a tough spot to be in. And, uh, you know, Jesse couldn't quite do it. No shame in not being able to hit a five-pointer. Um, those are, are naturally going to be obviously very tough, especially if you're a rookie and you're, and you're trying to win in your debut. So I can't imagine what that was like for, for Jesse to be in that spot. Um, but, you know, overall, I thought both players 
gave a pretty solid performance. Uh, uh, Amaru, he missed five questions. Jesse, he missed eight. And and so, like, I think both of these players still have work to do. Amaru Mosin in his post-match said he's not happy. You know, he's like, hey, yeah. let me get, try and get 20 or more points next game. And I like that mentality from, yep. from Amaru. And I like that Jesse, you know, is like, hey, I went through it. I know what it's about now. And, you know, I'm just going to come out and, and be stronger for it next time. And I and I think he really does have a good group there in the Quirky Mercs to, to help him out with that, with Koi and Bibbs and, and everybody else over there. So I really like that you know these guys are going to be hungry, and uh, I can't wait to see what they do in the next match because I don't like to really judge rookies on their first match. No. I got to see what they do at least in two matches, and depending on how that goes, maybe a third. But I think we'll start to get a real feel for what these two players are really like after a second match, whenever that may happen. Um, what are your overall thoughts, PJ, on how this match ultimately played out between these two rookies? Yeah, look, I was. It was a rookie match, but I was pretty impressed with both of them. To your point earlier, playing through the way they did, they played like they knew the game, which was number one. One of the best things about them coming in is that they knew the game, they knew what they were doing, and it's always hard when you're down, especially in your first match, going into round two, going into round three, needing to hit the five just to stay in the game. But the fact that they were both able to get that far speaks volumes to that they not only tried to study for this game, but that they cared enough to actually play through like they wanted to be there. And I think that Moses, to your to what you were saying, being like, I'm not happy with my performance. I can do better than this. And I, he's going to be even more prepared. He's going to be scarier. And Jesse Swift, who I've gotten to know actually over the last couple of weeks, he's a great guy. And I think he's got a lot of a big bright future in this league too. Like I think they both do. And I think that these were very solid performances for two rookies out the gate that I look forward to seeing them even more. Yeah, and the other thing is, much like the veteran players, they also knew the inner geekdom of old. That's what yeah. they, you know, what what they watched, and and I think gauged themselves on terms of how they might be able to do in the showdown. And then, lo and behold, they get drafted. And then, lo and behold, there's a new infusion of categories. So there is going to be some more, uh, a bit of a learning curve more than they probably thought there was going to be when it was just inner geekdom of old. And so I think that's that. Not only will that be true for these rookies, but veterans alike. And it's mm-hmm. going to be very interesting to see to what degree it affects uh, veterans and rookies throughout the season, especially within their first couple of matches. Uh, and like, and that's also another huge reason why I don't want to, you know, judge these players too quickly because just because Chandru and Mara put on one hell of a show a couple of weeks ago um, doesn't mean everyone else is going to do that right off the bat. Some might. Some might, and others won't, and I think that's to be expected. But also, let's keep in mind that um, it's gonna—it might take some time for these players to adjust. But I have full confidence that they will adjust in a timely fashion before it's gonna look like you know some of these matches may end up uh, will end up looking like they did in seasons past. Maybe not as frequently, but I think the possibility will be there, and that's. Also more exciting with the variants that could come with with this infusion of the new categories and players adapting. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to all of that and, and these guys' next matches. So uh, well done to these two rookies. I can't wait to see what they do in Couldn't the next one. And we also had another rookie debut by the name of Marie Wilson. Oh, I thought you were going to say Sean Sullivan. <laughs> a rookie? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm not even going to touch that one. I'm just—he already had a rough day. But Sean Sullivan, who I who I love dearly, uh, lost to Marie Wilson, a DragonCon player, 22 to 20. It was a pretty good match uh, through a majority 
of of the match, um, the first two rounds especially. And uh, going into this match, I was very interested to see how a Dragon Con player would operate because Dragon Con, I think a lot of people know, or, or those that are following closely, know that, that Dragon Con, you know, there's a lot of multiple choice. It's not just movies, it's books and comics and all everything, not just movies. And yep. how would that transfer over to the Schmodown style of play? Now, what Reed does does necessarily does not necessarily tell us what Thomas Harper or Zach Burkett will do because you can just look at Alex Damon and you go, look what he's done. He's been holding the belt for, I don't know, eighty billion years. So and and, and he hardly ever misses. So it's everyone's their each individual player and it's going to be different for everyone. So just because Marie played a certain way here does not necessarily mean that Thomas Harper and Zach Burkett are going to play that way just because they're from Dragon Con. Right. Um, so I was very interested to see this. And I know that Sean Sullivan's been working on his game, so I was very interested to see how he would play. And look, they played really well in those first two rounds. Uh, Sean Sullivan coming out ahead there, 18-17 after two. Uh, great first round. I mean, they were missing both of the same yeah. questions there. A uh, couple of the tougher ones that I put into round yes. one. Um, the Return of the Jedi question there, um, this was the uh, what scene or the Bespin, right? Like, what was the which, first which, planet? planet? Yeah, best that's a great question. When I when I read, heard that one, I was like, man, that is really good. Even though I got it right, I was like, that's a pretty good question. <laughs> well, and I don't know if you saw it. So one of the very first comments in on the Facebook page afterwards was, well, shouldn't it be Endor? Because you see the fireworks on Endor. And I was and like, I, I did think of that. Endor's a moon. It's not a planet. The question specifically said, which planet? Okay. Is this the science showdown, PJ? Or is this the movie trivia? I got it. PJ. Well, I mean, specifically Star Wars, according to them, Endor, where they are, is a moon. The forest moon of Endor. So that was my way around making sure that you were looking for Bespin in the question. So if they had said Endor, that would have been incorrect then. Yeah, a hundred percent. So it's because it's the forest moon. What's the name of the forest moon? That's it. The forest moon or the sanctuary moon. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So I just gave the Schmodown players out there an answer that they might need in future matches. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, and then the last Jedi question was, you know, what does Kylo say after mm-hmm. Rey? Um, man, great question because um, I couldn't remember it. But um, and, and Marie was very close on that one. So, very close. And, and that's the other thing about these Dragon Con players. And Marie talked about it in her post-match interviews, like really having to know the movies. Um, yep. Really having to know dialogue, and, and I think that's going to be the most interesting part—not just for Dragon Ball players, but for any Star Wars players, because knowing some of these lines from the movies, like the, the Padme Amidala one yep. uh, that 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 Marie had, um, it's you know it's going to be or both had rather um, interesting to see where these players. You know, specifically Dragon Con, where they go and how they develop the skill for Shmodao, because I think they've all acknowledged that it's going to be a different animal. It operates differently. And uh, I thought Marie acclimated very well. And Sean Sullivan, you know, he played, he played, I mean, he had a lights out second round there, um, although he did miss one question. He was able to pick up a two point seal, which I thought, oh man, that's certainly giving him the edge there going into the final round. PJ, when, when, a player goes into the final round in any division, especially Star Wars. You, do you think like 
okay, they probably have this because they're so good. They're probably not going to miss – just because that's what we're used to these days. Yeah. I mean, look, anytime we get – especially in IG and Star Wars because they're so specialized, it's hard to imagine that once you get into that round, that last round, that the person in the lead might not – like they made it, right? They're on the other side. You're going pretty neck and neck. But the third round is always tricky though too because you never know what you're going to get. And if it's that one thing where for whatever reason you hadn't thought about it because they're a little bit deeper they're you know, they can be anything and there's a couple of different categories. And if you don't quotes are becoming very important as it turns out. Yeah. And, and, and when, you know, when Sean got that two point steal, I was yeah. like, man, that's huge. Cause not a lot of steals happen in star Wars and to get it and let alone a two point steal. And I thought, you know, when Marie didn't check the multiple choice and she gave up, you know, a two point opportunity and then Sean capitalized, I, I was I was wondering if, you know, that's just inexperience of how the game operates, whether that's true or not it remains to be seen. And, and maybe she said elsewhere whether that was the case or not. I don't know. But I, you know, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about that in the moment. Now, Sean, you know, he checks to multiple choice on that last question uh, of Attack of the Clones in that category. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then Marie capitalizes on the miss, and so you know, although Sean Sullivan still outscored her ten to nine, and he's up by one, it's eighteen to seventeen. Um, you know, I imagine since Sean is in the chat, or if he's still in the chat, I imagine you know, he's like, "This is the spot I want to be in. I have my fate's in my own hands. I just gotta, I have to answer two, three, and five at that point." You know, right. that's what intergeekdom, Star Wars singles teams. That's what it all comes down to once you have that elite because. Your opponent is generally just as it's good enough to answer their two, three, and the five as well. So, um, man, when when um, Marie she gets she gets that two pointer, and then Sean gets his two pointer, then Marie gets his three, and then the who set it for Sean Sullivan three pointer. Um, that I was like, dang, that that's that's tough because now 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 he's lost the advantage, right. lost the advantage, and. Now he's beyond the eight ball. He's got to hit the five, and man, that was that was tough to watch um, because he was having such a great game, and and he's playing up against uh, whether you know rightfully so or not a hyped player in Marie Wilson because she comes from Dragon Con and she was you know last year's winner of the tournament. Um, he had her he had her right in her sights, PJ. What he happened? Was right there, man. <laughs> and it's it's just one of those things because I and I don't want to speak for Sean because. That three-point question, I don't know if it was him crossing wires in his head of who he thought he said it in the movie or if he had, like, taken a time to breathe and repeat the question and to, like, sit with it a little bit longer because he had it right there in just that, like, he said it. And, again, I I think he's still in the chat. So I don't want to say that if he had gone to a repeat that he would have gotten it for him. I don't want to speak for him in that regard. But if he had taken the extra time, he might have been able to capitalize on it and push her to the five because we don't know if Marie would have hit the five. And it could have been a totally different ballgame. Right, yeah. I mean, to hear him say um, Cassian Andor, it's like, oh, you're right there. Um, That was was tough. Um, But again, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, you know, I think that's also, you know, Sean's playing in his, 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 he's only playing in his third match ever uh, in Star Wars. So there is... You know, and and he hasn't seen it all yet. So, 
you know, and, and you're playing up against a, a hyped player and you have this opportunity to to force it to her five and and you get the right movie, just wrong character. Um you know, I, I it's that's a tough blow to have then to have to go into your five to so and it, it was it was a great match back and forth. It was a great, great match. Yeah. Like look, there's I don't want to undersell it. Like this is was an exciting match for both of them, in my opinion. Marie made a hell of a debut for herself, but Sean showed why he hangs in this division too. Like it even when you slip up, look how far you still he still made it to the third round. He had to at least push her to get two or three so it's not like she went out without a fight like yeah. he took her down almost to the line so that's that says something about his knowledge too the dude is good they both are and she could be dangerous if she learns the game because clearly the knowledge is there like yeah the palpatine slip a little bit withstanding yeah she still she still knows the movies like she really handled herself well and i think that's the key more or less, at least for Marie, I, I don't want to speak for other DragonCon players on a, on a broad level, but um, I think because the DragonCon players have had to learn so much like minutia and things that are outside of the movies, that all they really got to do is really hone in on the movies specifically to shore up that end of the game because that's what the showdown is really based off of for for Star Wars Division, and once they get those down pat. Everything else that they've worked on in the past is all gravy because that just fills in some other things uh, that they might come across in the game. But it is about you know quotes. I I, I mean I got to imagine you know players are going to memorize these scripts and and right. who's saying what and what lines and, and from what movies. So I think yeah, DragonCon players are, in my opinion, are rightfully hyped up because they have the knowledge. That's there. They just got to figure out how to best um, incorporate it into the game, into a new game now, mm-hmm. and, and so that'll be interesting to watch. And and then Sullivan, I can't wait to see if he doesn't have another match before a tournament. I can't wait to see what he does, whether it's the eight player tournament or the sixteen player tournament, right? Um, or you know maybe both. I don't know, depending on how things go. But I certainly think um, you know right now it's hard to say. You know where he's going to fall because we've only seen four players and and there's a lot there's a lot more players in the Star Wars division. So who knows where people are going to fall in the pecking order? It's much too early to tell. But if Sean can play the way that um, that he did in this in this match, but you know minimize the follow-ups in terms of saying Cassian or Jin, you know, um, right. And I think again that comes more with experience in terms of taking your time and and working through the question and and being patient and and it's a hard thing to do I think that's a hard thing to to practice and to learn because it's going to take more reps and sometimes it takes more live match preps than it does practice reps but practice nonetheless. No, definitely. And again, like I, he still played well and it's just one of those things that you that luck of the draw and he wasn't able to capitalize, but next time he will. Like, you know, you start to you miss a couple of questions at any time and those are the ones that you start to you don't forget them after that. And now you move forward and you study the stuff around it. We've seen players do stuff like that all the time and come back and capitalize. So, I think that Sean will come back more dangerous, but now I'm very curious to see where Marie ends up like very early on for her career. And that's and here's the other thing. Now, of the three Dragon Island players, she's the first to play, mm-hmm. and now she's won, which means 
if you're Zach Burkett or Thomas Harper, you don't want to be the one Dragon Con player that loses their first match because Marie's right. already done it. So now maybe I don't know if there's pressure on these guys to, to deliver. I mean, there already was. But in terms of, I think, uh, you know, a little bit of honor amongst Dragon Con players to not fall to Schmodown players, is I, I don't know if that's a thing. It'd be fun if it is. Um, Definitely. But, you know, yeah, who's Marie going to play next? Who who are these other Dragon Con players going to play? And and then depending on who they play, how do they play, you know, as well? Because whether it's newer players like John Hoey or, or Lacey Gillerin, um, you know, I'm very curious to see, you know, Eric uh, Eric Whiteley is another guy I'm very right. curious to see play. So right now the barometer for where you need to be at is is starting to be set. I mean, Laura Kelly said it at playing a perfect game on day 100%. one. 100%. Right. And, 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 and Molly Damon played a great game as well. She only missed three. Marie Wilson only missed three as well, right? Right, and, so she's playing at Molly's level, and Molly's been around and so, a bit. And, and if you look at what Molly did in that match, um, she was also 15 of 18 like Marie, but she answered. She earned 23 points compared to Marie Wilson's 22. And you can also say, well, Molly Damon, she's a player, but she also does play Dragon Con as well. Right. So, you know, is does I mean, if you just base off of this match, would you go um, uh, Alex Damon, Andrew DiMolanta, Laura Kelly... Molly Damon, Marie Wilson, and then Sean Sullivan. I mean, you can be pretty arbitrary in that way if you wanted to. But like I said, there's a lot more players out there. There's a lot more play to be had, which I know a lot of people can't wait to see this year. And I'm one of them. So this was a great, fantastic Star Wars match. And I can't wait to get these more on a regular weekly basis because in years past, they're a little more scarce. But uh, this this year, it seems like it's going to be hot and heavy. And with players... Playing the way they do right now, I think it's only going to get better. These tournaments are going to be crazy, and whoever's in them, uh, I mean, I just I cannot wait. Well, it's so funny too because I mean, to your point, like, look at what Star Wars is already at, right? The lo- the level we're playing, and now we're going to do two different tournaments this season. It's going to be very interesting to see where a lot of these competitors end up and how it plays out because it's it's no cakewalk man like we think ig is hard star wars is even more specific it's even more specialized and if you want to be able to play like alex and laura and you know dame alanta they're playing nearly perfect games almost every time so the the your accuracy and all of that information is you almost need to play 150 percent, right like the room (laughs) for error is that big razor thin yeah and, and and really, there really is no room for error. Um, right. So uh, with all that said, though, w- you know we have an exciting end of the week coming up uh, with tomorrow's matches, and we're going to get to those right now. We're giving a little bit of our predictions, and like I said at the top of the show, we'll hear from Brad and what he thinks about the Dan Merrill Jeff Snyder match. Um, but you know, coming up tomorrow at two p.m. Pacific time, we're going to see this match: Lady Justice Marisol McKee of Corruption taking on Vinny. Mancuso, the ice pick, he's now on swag. And this is a very interesting matchup because both players are one and one. And one of them has a lot more hype behind them than the other, and that would be one Marisol McKee. Um, As everyone knows by now, Shannon traded her first and second round pick to the Den to acquire Marisol McKee McKee in a sign-in trade, effectively, where Kate signed Marisol in the free agency period traitor to, to Shannon for for those two picks and people want to know was it worth it was it worth it for a one-on-one player um, a lot of hype behind Marisol and a lot of people love 
Marisol. And I think there's a lot of people out there who really love Vinny as well. I'm one of those guys. Um, I like what he brings to the table. I mean, I love what both of these players bring to the table. So I am, when this match was announced, I was so curious about what this match could be. Um, I think there's more pressure on Marisol than Vinny Mancuso. What do you think, PJ? I mean, look, uh, like you, I am a fan of both of these players. And, I mean, Marisol's going to be feeling it now, right? She's going to be feeling the pressure because, to your point, Shannon traded her first and second round draft pick to get Marisol back. That's a big move. And now you have to hope that you can capitalize on that and come away with the W. Now you look at Vinny, who kind of ended up over on swag just by mistake. I don't know, mistake or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Andrew, the Shmobinati, who knows? But you know, with how things have already been going for swag, you have to wonder how is that going to affect this gameplay? Like is, is Vinny even wanting to play with Winston? Is he prepared to play with Winston? Is he going to be checked out? Like what's, what's the situation going in? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious too, because right. I mean, this also, I guess speaks more to the story of swag right now is, who likes Winston on that squad? I joked about it night one, uh, you know, and I, I, Vinny, you know, was a dungeon guy. He has Zipper there, uh, who's also a dungeon guy last season. So th- there's a bit of that connection. And and I see in the chat, you know, is Vinny going to turn on on Winston? You know, is that someone that Chandru would target to help turn the tide, if you will? Um, also. If Vinny loses this match, is this just more ammo for Chandru, you know, to to turn things against Winston? So now it'll be interesting to see if a loss, um, if Vinny were to lose, does Chandru use that as fuel for his fire and begin to really make some some headway in this movement of ousting ousting Winston? Uh, because right. as the old adage goes, carrying wins all, right? So if Vinny wins and, and Everybody else in swag wins. You know, how does Chandra begin to maneuver and oust Winston? Why would people be like, "No, we're winning"? Why would right. we change this guy? So it's interesting to think that Chandra might not have Swag's best interests at heart as of right now, considering the plan he's trying to concoct. So, um, you know, is there you know very interesting what could come out of this match if Vinny loses, um, but if Marisol loses. What I wonder if corruption, you know, members of corruption go, maybe this that wasn't a good idea. What you did was trade away two high, you know, picks from Marisol and she didn't even deliver. What does that do for mentality of a faction in terms of how they look at their manager? Right. You know, these are gonna be questions that, you know, will ultimately be answered, I think, tomorrow, one way or the other. Or how do they look at Marisol? Not just the manager. Sure. But how, yeah. You know, how do the other players react to her? Because with such a substantially high-profile trade for such a high-profile situation and then not to deliver, there could be resentment there too. Like, we brought you in, we fought for you, and you couldn't even do that. Right. So like, in terms of resentment, like, what does Laura Kelly think then? If Marisol doesn't deliver, yeah, and then Laura Kelly's looking at Shannon like, Look what you did. You made this. Like, does she start to flip? Because, you know, Laura Kelly talked about how, you know, corruption was helping to prepare for Molly Damon and this and the other. And it's and Winston was like, you know, we, we got some good stuff over here, too. But Laura Kelly, you know, she's kind of doing her own thing. She's sort of a rogue member of swag in a way. And then she's been recruited by Chandru. But, you know, if Marisol loses, Chandru could also use this as fuel for Laura saying, look, they 
she went and gave away those two picks for her, and she didn't even deliver a win. You did, and Shannon didn't trade for you. You know, so th- this there's a lot of interesting outcomes, um, specifically for Swag, that that could come of a decision yeah. whether Marisol wins or loses, whether Vinny wins or loses. It's an insanely interesting matchup just for those reasons alone. On top of the fact that a lot of people want to see these players play and love the way they play, uh, I'm really looking forward to this match. Me too, man. Yeah. I mean, look, for this is one of the most interesting like sophomore matches out the gate of any players yeah. that we've ever seen. So I'm I'm here for it. All right, so before we get into this versus matchup between Jeff Snyder and Dan Merle, the boat, Brad Gimler, did send in a video. Uh, sick as he was, he did send in a video about what he thinks of this matchup coming up tomorrow night, 5 p.m. Pacific, Schmodown versus. If you don't have your tickets, uh, you can get them on the showdownlive.com. But if you're already a $10 up patron, you're going to get that link in your inbox. But if you're not and you want to see that, that match go down tomorrow night, and I think you do, you can go get that one-time stream pass at theshowdownlive.com or just you know sign up for the $10 Patreon if you can. Well, but we got, three, we got three pay-per-views this month. That $10 right. looking real good right now. All right, so let's hear from the boat Brad Gilmer on what he thinks about Jeff Snyder going up against Dan Merle. Hey, what's up, everybody? Let me do this. What's up, everybody? My name is Brad Gilmore. You might know me by another name. You might know me as The Boat. Uh, I've been feeling under the weather today. I'm on the way home to get a siesta and try to rest and recuperate and be ready for the week to come. A lot of cool stuff I've been working on this week, and maybe the burning the midnight oil is contributing to my overall disposition. Nevertheless, I felt like it would be um, irresponsible of me to have one of these monumental events going on between the N. Snyder, Jeff Snyder, and the greatest of all time, Dangerous Dan Merle. Uh, this versus battle that they're about to go into is is legendary. This is the this is the this is the kind of match that we dream about. This is the kind of match that um, um, if you really when I think about it, it's like WrestleMania 21. Those WWE fans, you'll remember WrestleMania 21 saw a dream match that we never thought that we would see, yet it made so much sense on paper. It is the greatest in-ring performer of all time in Shawn Michaels going up against, in a lot of ways, his mirror image in Kurt Angle. In my scenario, Dan Merle is Shawn Michaels. You can't say that Dan Merle isn't the best that we've ever seen in terms of what he does inside the game of the movie trivia showdown and on the same token if you look at the accomplishments that dan has had and you mirror them with the accomplishments that jeff snyder has had they've had both incredible careers memorable moments at the spectacular uh great live event moments um championship runs. I mean, Dan Merle is called the greatest of all time in the singles division. Jeff Snyder is called the greatest of all time in the teams division. So when you look at that, this is really one of the most monumental matches in Schmodown history, and we're getting it this early in the season. The winner of this will take on Adam Collins. On one hand, I would love to see Dan Merle Collins too. That was the match of the year last year. Obviously, we were all massively impressed with what Adam Collins was able to pull off in his season as well against Dan Merle. But I truly believe 
that if Dan got that second opportunity, just like what you see in the NFL schedule, anytime you play a team twice, you normally come off the victor. Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Need I say more? So I would think that Dan Merle could take out Adam Collins. Now, an interesting matchup really would be Jeff Snyder versus Adam Collins because I feel like Jeff Snyder could do something at this point, having not uh, having played Adam Collins uh, uh, before, um, he could really, truly get inside his head again and uh, be the end Snyder that we all know and love, and he might be able to come out victorious. It's hard to defend that singles championship. We know that from the history of this game. So, what's my prediction? Here's my prediction. They're both going to have a great first round. Dan Roll is going to go perfect. Jeff's going to miss one. Dan's going to get his bonus question. He's going to be up two points going into round two. Dan's going to have a little trouble with his category. He's going to get three of them right with no problem. He's going to to have to go to multiple choice on one occasion, and he will get that one point. Jeff Snyder will run the table and be up. Uh, be down only by one. We go into the third round. They both hit their two. They both hit their three. And they both hit their five. And Dan Merle walks out the victor. That's just how I see it happening. I don't know. Frankie boy, I'm going to turn it back to you, man. I can't wait to be back on the rundown. It's literally my favorite thing that I do throughout the week. I enjoy all the crowds so much. I'm working hard on the FCL. I'm working hard on a lot of great, cool things that we're going to do with the First Class League. And I'm excited for all the matches that we have coming up. By the way, Amaru Moses, my guy. Wow, great stuff. So um, until next week, on the boat, Frankie boy, back to you, my man. All right, and that was was Brad the Boat Gilmore. Uh, Send us some well wishes. Tell him to get better over on Twitter, at Brad Gilmore. You can find him over there. Uh, Wish him well. And, uh, you know, look, tomorrow night is going to be very exciting. Very. Because these two guys are – they're on my Mount Rushmore of showdown players right now. What Jeff has done in the team's division is – just as insane as what Dan Merle has done in the singles division. And while Dan Merle has um, a team's division belt and Snyder's only one in teams, um, I, I, for me that does not take away anything uh, in terms of putting Jeff Snyder on the Mount Rushmore of players in the Schmodown. You know, Dan Merle earlier this week was on backstage with Ben Bateman, and he had some interesting words uh, in terms of you know where he would rank Snyder but he did bring up the fact that Snyder's only one in teams. Dan has one in both, and you know there is something to be said for that. So I, I thought it was an interesting uh, line of thinking from Dan heading into this match. Um, I wonder how Jeff took it. I'm sure we might find out in a promo or during the match tomorrow night, so that's going to be a, um, a lot of fun. But I don't know, PJ, when when you when we got this matchup, what did you think and, and, and what do you think? Whew, look, man. I didn't realize how badly I wanted to see this match until it was announced. And then you start to realize like the fact that these two have been around the league for so long, like you, they're absolutely two of the greats on the Mount Rushmore for me. And they've never been in the ring together. Yeah. Like how have we gone eight seasons into this show and these two have never met? Like that is crazy to me. And Jeff has this fire inside of him now 
like coming off of everything that happened last season, they get the title spectacular for teams. He's walking into this with a new fire that I think should scare people. Cause I think he is going to try to go on a tear and I think he is out for blood. He wants, he wants both these titles. He wants the singles in the teams and he's going for them. I, I, what I think we're going to see tomorrow night is going to be something special. It's only three rounds. It's not yeah. a five rounder. Um, but it's uh, it's going to be something special, and I'm really interested to see where Jeff Snyder, you know, takes this match because I think he's the one that ran through a tournament. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he got to the to tournament final and sure he lost Adam Collins, but he played in one of the longest, the biggest tournament we've ever had in singles division, and and he played. You know, he he has as many as the most the most wins you can get in a tournament without winning it. Uh, Dan Merrill has has never done that. He's never even Dan Merrill's never gotten to a tournament final, and, and that's large largely in part because he's always had the belt whenever we do these tournaments. So, Fair. however, when Dan Merrill has had the opportunity, um, you know, you know he he didn't make it that far, and those were smaller tournaments. Um, Dan Merrill, though. He is the greatest of all time uh, um, when it comes to the singles division. That's my opinion, and because I think Jeff Snyder is the greatest of all time when it comes to the teams division. And you know, will this settle the goat debate? No, it won't. No. This match won't. I, I, it takes more than one meeting to um, you know decide who's better than who because you never know how that wheel is going to spin. You never know who has a brain fart here or there. Um, is it an indicator of? of how smart these guys are and how knowledgeable these guys are at the end of the day. Not really, because these guys just know a lot. It just doesn't happen within the allotted amount of time that they're able to answer. We're going to find out tomorrow night, and I think the theatrics between Jeff Snyder and, and Roxy Stryer going up against John Kaiser and Dan Merle of the Dungeon, I mean, that that alone, if that, whew, I am What's not so, to love about this, I man? Mean, Come on, crap. Look, this is Muhammad Ali meeting Superman. That's what this feels like. Mm. Like for nerds everywhere in the world, like me, there was a comic arc where Superman and Muhammad Ali actually like square off. That is what that's like for me because I'm a nerd and that's where my mind goes. But these two are larger than life in this game. How can you not be excited to see them going toe to toe to see Roxy and Kaiser, two managers who are two of the best personalities in this league going toe to toe against each other in one in like this crazy pay-per-view match. And this is one of the only times there's no undercard. This is the match. Like this, this is, it. is it. This tomorrow. This this could go into sudden death, and I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> oh man, you know and I'm already I'm already sweating thinking about it. But yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. With, with that notion, let's uh, let's wrap it up right there because guys, go make sure you have access to this match. It's going down tomorrow night, 5 p.m. Pacific. Jeff Snyder is finally getting a crack at the GOAT. Dangerous Dan Merle. It's going to be a hell of a hell of a match. I can't wait for it. PJ, where can the good kids find you and everything that you're doing? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PJ underscore Campbell. You can find me at the Movie Trivia Schmodown, where I write the questions. Be nice to the writers. We're only human. And you can find me at the PJ Campbell Network, where we do all sorts of fun stuff over there. Come, ch- come check it out. Hang out with us. But, Frank, it was fun being here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for hopping in and filling in for Brad Gilmore. You did an admirable job. But I'm afraid I'm going to need Brad uh, back next week. Uh, I mean, I don't blame you. you. No, yeah. it's okay. He's way more handsome than I am. Yeah. So. All right. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29. And until next time, this has been the Showdown Rundown, and we will see you on next a week. <laughs>